Hi everyone, welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. celebrate today your great, great love for us. We marvel at how deep your love is, how wide, how big your love is, that though we do not deserve it, though we cannot and have not earned it, it is ours because it is your gift to us. So we celebrate your love. We celebrate who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you for Jesus, the man upon the cross who took our sin paid our ransom. We celebrate that today. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done. Father, now as we come to the pages of Scripture today, we ask you to speak to us, that we would hear your voice from these ancient words, we would hear you in our, in our, with, our, with our minds, our ears, that that message would move to our hearts and eventually to our hands and to our feet, that we would do something about it. God, we ask, as always, we ask you to teach us how to love better. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, great to see you this morning. Welcome to Faith Christian. Uh, glad that uh, you are here with us. Thanks for tuning in online, being a part, making this a part of your weekend. We're glad we get to spend this time together. Do want to remind you, uh, as you leave here today, I hope you don't have plans for lunch. Our student ministry, Faith Students, have planned a, a fundraiser, a luncheon today. Uh, they're cooking up rigatoni and bread and salad and all kinds of yummy stuff. And uh, that's going to be available to all of you who are in the room with us uh, right after the service today. Uh, that is a fundraiser for our kids, so stay, eat lunch. Any donations received for that will go to help uh, take some of the cost off of our families for who are sending their kids to our uh, CIY conferences, our Christ and Youth conferences this summer. We've got a high school group going to uh, Michigan, uh, a middle school group going to Indiana uh, later this summer. And uh, anything that you can do to help them, uh, help keep that cost down for them, we'd appreciate that. And you get to eat a delicious lunch. So we hope that you will uh, be here or stick around for that and make that a part of your day as well. Uh, we're in a sermon series uh, that's taken us up through Easter that we're they're just kind of going through this journey of prayer. We've been talking about prayer, reminding us that the idea of prayer is a real you, the real you and the real God having a real conversation. So as we get kind of rolling back into it today, I want to show you a picture. I want to see if you, because you're pretty smart, I want to see if you can figure out what these three things have in common. Karaoke, a toilet plunger, and praying. You got it figured out yet? Karaoke, a toilet plunger, and praying. Here's, here's the punchline. You ready? We all do these things, just no one's comfortable doing them. <laughs> we all end up doing these things. We're just not comfortable doing this. The reality is every single one of us has tried to pray at some point in our lives, even if you're not sure about the whole God church thing yet. Again, if that's you, we're so glad you're here. Keep coming. Keep asking your questions. Let us walk with you on your journey of finding Jesus. But each one of us, no matter where we are, we have tried to pray. But at some point, all of us have also felt like, mm, I don't do that very well. I, I, I don't know what to say. Somebody else can do this better than I can. You know, you, you go to Thanksgiving dinner, and the whole family's gathered around the table, and all the food's just steaming hot, and it's time for somebody to pray. And you're just sitting there going, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me. You've been there before, right? We've, we've all been that. You don't want to be that person. Well, we're walking through this series between now and Easter where we're not only learning how to pray, but we're also learning how to hear from God. 
all of us talk to God at some point in our lives, so why don't we do it with some intentionality? Why don't we do it with a little bit of confidence? Last week, if you were here, I invited you to join me on a 28-day prayer journey that's going to take us all the way through Easter, and I handed out these books. Actually, we actually ran out of these last week, so I printed more, and if you weren't here last week, be sure you grab one of these on your way out. This is a daily journey. There's a little bit of scripture to read, a little bit of a devotional thought, and a prayer to pray or a, a prompt for you to pray to spend some time talking with God uh, every day between now and Easter. Now, again, I've had this question three times. Let me try to explain it. It says 28 days. There's only 20 of these. I know. Here's the deal. Sunday, you're coming to church. We're done at one for Sunday. You can pray together when we're at church. Saturday, you're on your own. I trust you. You can do this on Saturday. So if you missed last week, you didn't get started last week, you can actually pick it up this week, start with last week's stuff, and you can pick in, pick up Saturday and Sunday if you want to. But journey with us through this, especially when we get to the week before Easter. We've got a lot of things about the cross and the resurrection that you're really going to want, not want to miss through that. Again, if you did not get one of these last week, be sure you pick one up. This is also available in electronic format on the front page of our website. You can download it to your phone or your computer, and you can participate with us. And let's walk through this, this, journey, this prayer journey together. Today, what I want to deal with as we continue this series is one of the questions that I suspect that you've wrestled with when it comes to this issue of praying. One of the things that maybe keeps us from praying, and that is this. I prayed, but nothing happened. I prayed, but God didn't say yes, especially the way I wanted God to say yes. I prayed, but I'm not sure my prayer got past the ceiling. I prayed, but I don't think it's working. What am I supposed to do now? Well, I want us to learn today from a guy that prayed some amazing prayers, some stop the world, shake the world kind of prayers. And we're going to look at this story from the Old Testament, which, if you don't know, the Old Testament, our Bible split into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is the first part of our Bible. It's basically the Jewish scriptures. This which was God's ancient covenant with the Jewish people, Israelite people, and it's their story of their journey with God. It's all the stuff that happens before Jesus. That's the Old Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament, we have these incredible, incredible, fascinating, inspiring stories of faith, of people who did great things for God, even before Jesus came onto the scene. And the guy we're going to look at today is one of my absolute favorite characters in the Bible, one of our favorite people in the Bible, this guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah lived around 900 B.C. He is a historical figure. You can travel to Israel today. You can visit the places where his stories, where we read about, happen. You can, you can see those places. You can stand in those places where Elijah did some of the things that he did. Elijah was known as a great prophet of God. He was God's messenger. Specifically, one of the things he had to do was speak truth to power. He had to speak to the king, even though it was kind of a suicide mission every time he had to do that. His life as a prophet was full of action and adventure. That's why I like it. It's, it's like watching a great movie. There's so much adventure, so many uh, near-death experiences in his life, crazy moments, lots of great stuff to read in Elijah's life, about Elijah's life. One of my favorite stories about Elijah is this moment where he takes on, he challenges 450 prophets of this foreign god known as Baal. Baal was basically just this little stone statue, but the people in, in, the, in the land believed that that was their god. And so Elijah said, I'm going to show you this is not, not the real god. I'm going to show you who the real god is. And he takes them on, and it's an amazing scene, ends with a big ball of fire. It's kind of great. Uh, it's a great thing. Uh, but that's what Elijah does, one of my favorite stories. In another place, actually in several places, Elijah has to go, again, speaking truth to power, he goes to confront the king. 
He has to tell the king, he ain't doing this right, which is basically a suicide mission. Elijah performs miracles. He even raises someone from the dead. Here's what's interesting about Elijah. All the fascinating stuff that he does, and we can read about it in 1 Kings, all the great stuff that is in Elijah's story. And he did a lot of crazy things, a lot of amazing things. 900 years after Elijah's life, after Jesus comes, and the, 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 the disciples and the followers of Jesus are beginning to write down the things that will eventually become our Bible, the New Testament. As they're writing about the guy 900 years after the life of Elijah, as they're writing down his story, as they're remembering Elijah, guess what he's remembered for? He's not remembered in the New Testament for the ball of fire, for raising somebody from the dead, for confronting the king. He's remembered for, get this, the way that he prayed. He's remembered for his prayer life and let me read you this passage this morning or just talk through this passage this morning that is written about 900 years after elijah about 900 years after elijah's life after he was dead 900 years later this 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 line couple of lines this passage shows up in the new testament now it's written by a guy in the new testament by the name of james james just happened to be the half brother of jesus which side note I don't think I can ever talk about James and not mention this. I know you've heard me say this before, but this is, I think this is important. This is one of the reasons that I believe in Jesus. One of the reasons that I believe that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. Because James believed that Jesus was who he said he was. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Let me ask you this. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he was the Son of God? Wouldn't happen, right? It wouldn't James grew up with Jesus and before the resurrection James didn't believe before the resurrection James didn't think that Jesus was who he said he was but after the resurrection after he saw his half-brother alive on the other side of the resurrection James believed and now James is writing a letter to fellow Christ followers trying to convince them to follow Jesus encouraging the church and he's talking about in this letter he talks about Elijah 900 years after here's what James says James 5 the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results Elijah was as human as we are and yet when he prayed again we're 900 years later we're talking about the prayer when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall none fell for three and a half years then when he prayed again the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops now if you don't know the story of elijah this can kind of be a little fuzzy so let me try to put this what happens here in elijah's story that james is referring to let me try to put this in some modern terms for you let's say for instance that our executive pastor, Brian Flood, you guys know Brian, he was up here on the stage just a minute ago. Let's, let's just say, for instance, that our executive pastor, Brian Flood, went to the leaders of Ohio, maybe even just the leaders of Tuscarawas County. He got the leaders together, and Pastor Brian just unloads on them. You guys are not following God. You're not doing things God's way. He just unloads. You're doing these awful things. I can't believe the price of gasoline, and I can't believe the way all the stoplights always stop when I get to them, and I can't get through them fast enough. And he's calling down condemnation upon the leaders of the state or the county. And so he says to them, I am going to pray against you. I'm going to pray against the economy. 
I'm going to pray for energy prices to quadruple. I'm going to pray for inflation to skyrocket. I'm going to pray for the stock market to crash. Wait a minute, maybe he did this. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> no, no, hypothetically, he didn't do this, I don't think. Hypothetically, let's say Brian did this, and he just did, did all this. Everybody would look at Flood and go, you crazy. You, you, you can't do that. You, you're crazy. But then the next day, it all happened. It all happened. Stock market crashes, inflation goes up, energy prices skyrocket, the economy is shot, and the area leaders start looking around for Brian Flood. Where is he? Go get him, find that guy, get him back in here, make him pray this all away, but they can't find him. They can't find him, and he's gone for three and a half years, and for three and a half years, the economy is in the tank, there's no rain, there, there's, no, there's no crops, there's nothing, and the community is just living with the devastation. And then, three and a half years later, Flood comes rolling back in in his pickup truck and says, all right, let me pray another prayer. And he prays another prayer, and boom, everything goes right back to normal. 900 years later, 900 years from now, no one would remember Brian Flood as the guy who worked at Faith Christian Church. Everyone would remember Brian Flood as the guy who prayed, and the world shut down, and prayed again, and it started back up again. That's the equivalent of what Elijah does in this moment we're going to talk about. That's the equivalent of what happens, of what James is referring to. He prayed, and it stopped raining, and the economy ceased, and the food supply ceased, and the supply chain ceased, and everything dried up, and everything was done, and then he prayed again, and it all came back. This is amazing earth-shattering, earth-shaking, world-changing prayers. And I gotta be honest with you. I don't ever feel like I pray like that. In fact, when I think about this saying that I shared with you last week, this, this idea that prayer isn't the only thing we do, but it's the first thing we do, that has not always been my default. My default, I'll just be honest with you, my default has always been to pray as a last resort. And listen, it's not because I don't believe in God. It's because I believe too much in myself. Do you know what I mean? I, I made this mess, I'll clean it up. I created this problem, I'll fix it. I've encountered this obstacle, I'll figure out a way to get through it. I can take care of this. God doesn't need to be worried about my piddly little issue. He's got enough st stuff going on. Have you seen the news? There's a lot of things happening. He doesn't need to worry about my little thing. He's busy. I'll take care of this. And I put this weight on myself thinking, I've got to make everything perfect to present it to God. And God is saying to me, no, 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 no. We get to do this together. Bring it to me, because we can do this together, and I've got a mission for you that is bigger and more important than what you're trying to do on your own. So let me give you kind of a truth and kind of an umbrella truth for everything else I want to talk about today. We need to get our lives wrapped around this. Weak prayers will never accomplish massive goals. Weak prayers will never accomplish massive goals. Most of us don't pray because we think either it doesn't work or God's too busy for it or God just doesn't care. So we settle for weak, dare I say, insignificant prayers. Prayers like, maybe not insignificant is the right word, but just weak prayers. Prayers like, God, th thank you for today. 
God, help us get there safely. God, bless this food now to the nourishment of our bodies. I, I mean, just think for a minute. If Jesus answered yes to everything you prayed for so far today, what would be different in your life? Would you have gotten somewhere safely and your food didn't make you sick? Not Elijah. Elijah took it up about 10 notches. He turned that thing up to 11. He decided to pray in such a way that he did something great for God. So let me walk you through a couple of things that Elijah did in his prayer life that I think you and I can learn from in our prayer life so that we can begin to pray big prayers like Elijah did. And I'm just going to tell you now, you're going to have trouble believing me on this, but I'm going to do my best to convince you today that you and I have the chance, the opportunity to pray even bigger, more powerful prayers than Elijah did. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Here's the first thing I want us to learn from Elijah's, the way Elijah prayed, 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 the way Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed bold prayers. Everybody say bold. Bold. He prayed bold prayers. There's one moment where Elijah prays for a little boy who had died to come back to life, and the little boy came back to life. That is a bold prayer. He prays for fire to come down out of heaven and burn up a stone altar, and it did. That is a bold prayer. He prayed for the rain to stop, and it did. For three and a half years, it did not rain. He prayed for the rain to come back, and when it came back, it wasn't just a little sprinkle. It was a bold prayer. Look at 1 Kings 18. Elijah says to Ahab, Ahab's the king, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Catch that. The rain hadn't even started yet. It's been three and a half years since there had been a drop of rain. And he goes before the king who hated Elijah, the king who wanted to kill Elijah. And Elijah says, you better get out of here because it's about to rain. Now, I know some of you have that wonderful blessing of being able to tell when the weather's going to change because, you know, you wrenched your knee playing football back in the day or you hurt your back or something. You got, you got, a, you got a bone, you got a joint that starts to ache. You know, oh, I feel the rain coming on. My bursitis is acting up. I don't have anything like that. You're old enough to do that. I don't have that yet, but some of you do. Um, Elijah could hear the rain. He could hear the rain before it ever happened. Why? Because he had prayed a bold prayer. And the problem you and I have is not that we're praying for too much, but that we're praying for too little. We're not asking for anything big. We're just asking for stuff, we're just asking for stuff for ourselves, for our own pleasure, our own comfort. But Elijah just throws up these big, bold, scary prayers. Here's kind of the truth bomb I want to try to convince you of. You can pray even more boldly than Elijah, and here's why. Because of Jesus. Specifically, because of how Jesus introduced God to us as Father. We've talked about this the last two weeks. I hope you've been here. If not, pick up the podcast or, or check out the YouTube page and watch these sermons. Because of the way that Jesus introduces God to us as Father, I believe we can pray even bolder prayers than Elijah did. You see, Elijah only knew God as the great and the mighty, the all-powerful creator, which he still is. And going before God was met with a little bit of fear and intimidation and trepidation because they weren't really sure what God would do. But then Jesus comes on the scene 900 years after Elijah, and Jesus tells us that we can talk to God like he's our daddy because he is. Think about how you, how you would talk to your, ask your dad. Think about how you would ask your dad for something 
compared to how you would ask your boss for something do you, do you feel the difference in how you would approach your father as opposed to how you would approach your dad with your dad you know dad loves you you know dad has your best interest in mind don't you think we could pray we could be more bold in our prayers because we can see god as our father now i know some of you are thinking oh that just sounds crazy I mean, you could ask for all kinds of stuff. All kinds of, my, my wife could ask for, for me to start to look like Harry Styles. And there's all kinds of things that, that, that you could pray for. And so to protect us from ourselves, to, to protect us from asking for foolish things, we need to learn lesson number two from the way Elijah prayed, and that is that Elijah listened attentively. Everybody say listen. Listen. He listened attentively. In other words, before he prayed, Elijah listened to God. So as we are learning to pray, as we're talking about prayer this spring, let me caution you, open your ears before you open your mouth. Let's listen to God and listen attentively. This is very, very important. Have you ever met someone who, I'm going to try not to be too rude here, but you ever met one of these, one of these people who they're always saying something like, well, God told me to do this. And, and God's told me to do that and, and whatever it is that God told them to do It always seems to make Their life better Have you met that person? Well God told me that I'm, I was supposed to buy this And, and God, was, God told me I was supposed to lease that And God told me I'm supposed to, to Get this and God supposedly told me I'm supposed to, to do this that's going to get me all this attention and, and God told me I was supposed to buy these And God told me that you were supposed to give that To me and, and, and I was supposed to wear this And whatever it is God told me to do it Really? Really? Every time God speaks to you, it's to make your life better. Is, is that really the way it works? Why is that? Listen to what, Eli what God did in Elijah's life. Every time Elijah listened to God, listen to, what, listen to what happened to Elijah's life. The first time that Elijah stopped to listen to God, God said, listen, Elijah, I need you to go live in that cave over there for three years. That's not an upgrade. And Elijah in the cave is fed by birds bringing him food. That's not an upgrade. And he, in that cave, Elijah deals with a severe, severe doubt uh, about of depression in that cave. The second time he heard the voice of God, God said, I want you to go to the outskirts of Israel, and I want you to find this one specific widow and her son, and I want you to stay there with, with her because I need you to perform a miracle for her. This is not the Ritz-Carlton. This is a very poor, humble home. The third time God speaks to Elijah, he says, Elijah, I need you to go confront the king, King Ahab. I need you to go, to, to go talk to Ahab. This is a suicide mission. And as soon as Elijah speaks truth to power, Elijah's now on the run for his life. Here's the lesson. Sometimes, sometimes the answer to our listening to God is not necessarily improving our earthly situation. And most of the time, church, most of the time when we listen to God, it's rarely safe. Listen to what happened in 1 Kings, the same, first, first Kings 18, same story. So Ahab, the king, went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. This is a posture of humility. It's a posture of prayer. It's a posture of listening to prayer. He is humbling himself, bowing before God as if to listen to God. I, I got to tell you, I, and most of you know this about me already, I, I have trouble listening. I, I, I finish people's sentences. I know I do it. I have trouble listening, but here's why. 
Here's why I really have trouble listening. Because I can only listen to one thing at a time. Now, not everybody's wired like that. As a matter of fact, there are three other people who live in my house. My wife and my two daughters. The three, the, all three of them have the ability to all speak at the same time and to all hear what's going on at the same time. They, they're all three talking and they can hear each other absolutely perfectly. And I have literally stood by watching them going. And finally, I just raised my hand because my wife's a school teacher. Yes, I'm like, can I say something? <laughs> because I don't know how they do it. I cannot even hear what they're all saying. I can't keep up with them. Listen, God is able to hear it all I am not able to hear anything other than one thing, which means this. If I want to listen to God, I've got to shut everything down. I've got to shut everything else out for a little while if I'm going to hear from God. And I told you this last week, that the, the idea of listening to God, it's not always an audible voice. Again, in my lifetime, I have never heard an audible voice from God. I know that God's spoken to me. I know God's directed me. I can tell you all kinds of stories, but I've never heard an audible voice from God. Most of the time, most of the time, the way God speaks to me is more of, of an impression, more of a, hey, remember this? Remember when I did that? That's what I'm talking about. I want you to remember what I've done before so you'll know that I can do it again. That's the way God speaks to, to me. He does it when I read the Bible. He, he does it when, he does that by reminding me of the things that I've heard or seen or people who have been an important part of my life or, or reminds me of things that people have said to me or, or messages that I've heard or, or church experiences that I've been a part of. He, he, he speaks to me through times of suffering. He speaks to me through times of difficulty. God speaks to me through times of celebration, through times of rejoicing. And when I get alone with God, I've got to shut off everything so that I can hear him. And I'm going to just tell you, this is, this is just a me thing. It usually takes, after I kind of shut everything down, and it's hard because I have a lot of ADHD up here, it usually takes me a good seven, eight minutes before I can begin to hear, if you will, anything, before I can sense anything from God because I've got to shut everything down. Oh, by the way, public service announcement. When you hear from God, it never contradicts the Bible. It never contradicts the Bible. Never, never. That's just a little public service announcement. Take that with you as you go. Maybe, maybe think about hearing from God like this. Let me give you one more illustration about this. Uh, I remember when I got my first job out of college, my first couple of paychecks, I had my own place, I had a little, little bit of spending money, um, I decided that the first thing I needed to go out and buy for my new place as a, you know, as a 22-year-old young man uh, living, living large on the prairie of Illinois, I fi figured the first thing that I needed to go buy was a great big television. Because, right? So I went with my first couple of checks, saved up, some, saved up some dollars. I went to, some of you remember this place, Circuit City, right? Circuit City. And I laid out some cash money for a brand new, humongous 27-inch TV. Now, listen, in 1994, that's a big TV, right? Okay, 27-inch TV. It, it, okay, the TV itself was so big, I couldn't fit it in my car. It was, it was enormous. I mean, the thing went back as far as it was wide. Big old thing. And so I bought this TV. I was so excited. It had picture and picture. had all these things. Get it home. Get it all set up. Love it. Big, huge, 27 whole inches of, of, of color television. I'm loving it. Here's the problem with the TV. It sounded like garbage. This huge, big TV. We need a little bitty speaker. Just a little bitty speaker. So everything was tinny and didn't sound good. And I couldn't hear it very well. 
So I got, what am I going to do about this? So I started digging around some of the old junk that I had. I had this old stereo that I had inherited from three, probably from my dad, from somewhere down the road. This old little, little tuner and a couple little speakers. I figured out a way to wire that TV into that, little, that old little stereo. So now, instead of one little bitty speaker, when I turned on the TV, now I had two speakers. You know what I could do? I could hear better. I could hear better, but I knew, even with those two speakers in that little stereo, I knew it wasn't as good as it should be, right? So the, you know, the audiophile in me decides to save up a few more dollars, went back to Circuit City, bought a Dolby surround sound system, amplifier, subwoofer, and get this, seven speakers. Install these all around my apartment. I got speakers everywhere. I've got surround sound. It's in Dolby. You know what I can do then? I can hear everything when I'd watch TV. I can hear everything because I can hear so much more clearly with seven speakers than I could with two than I could with one. Think about it like this. Every time you show up at church, you're adding a speaker. Not because of me, but because someone is opening up God's word and sharing what God has to say. Every time you participate in a worship experience, you are adding a speaker. Every time you listen to a podcast that, that helps your faith and helps you learn about God, you are adding a speaker. Every time you read your Bible, you are adding a speaker. Every time you serve God by serving someone else and being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, you are adding a speaker. Every time you love better, you are adding a speaker. Every time you do a day in this 28-day prayer book, you are adding a speaker. And for every single one of us who wants to listen to God, you've got to drown out and stop the noise of the world for a few moments. And you've got to tune in to God. Now, here's what's so great about this. Let me try to convince you of this, because I think this is the most, most exciting part. You and I can do this better than Elijah could. Why is that? Because not only do we have Jesus, who's introduced us to God as Father, but we also have the Holy Spirit. Elijah didn't know about this. Elijah had no idea what the Holy Spirit was. But when Jesus came to earth, when Jesus put on skin and lived his life, and then prepared to leave, was crucified, resurrected. When he prepared to leave, he said, I'm going to leave you with someone. I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with someone who's even better than me. And that is the helper, or the comforter, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit. It's God living in us, and the Holy Spirit will walk beside you. When we take on Jesus, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we are baptized into Jesus, God says that the Holy Spirit becomes a part of us, lives in us. The word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit, he calls, he calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. That word literally is, is the picture of, of a doctor sitting on your bedside when you're ill, telling you what you need to do in order to get better. Or maybe we could think of it as, as a coach, walking along the sideline, telling you what to do next. And Christian, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not just with you. He is beside you, and he is beside you right now. And he is able to help you pray, and he is able to help you hear from God. 
One of my favorite promises in the Bible comes from Romans 8. It says this, In certain ways we are weak, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is there to help us. And then this next line. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, you ever been there? Life's so confusing, it's the pain's so real, you don't even know how to start praying. When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. The Holy Spirit can help you accomplish what you could never do on your own, and that's what Elijah did not have. And that's why you can pray more effectively than Elijah could, because you have access to the Father, and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Let me pray for you. Our community team will go ahead and take their places, please. Father, we want to be people that pray like Elijah. We, we want to be people that are bold. We want to be people that listen to you. Thank you, God, that because of Jesus, we now see what you're like. Thank you that because of Jesus, we now know you as our Father. Thank you that because of Jesus, we now have the Holy Spirit living in and among us. And thank you that even though we look up to what Elijah did, we now know that we can do even greater things in your name. God, I confess on behalf of every single one of us that we pray weak and selfish prayers. So God, would you give us the courage to pray boldly? Would you give us a heart for those who are not here? Would you give us a heart for those who long for you? Would you give us a heart for those who are broken? And would you help us pray big prayers for their benefit? I pray all of this in the name of Jesus.